Hello and welcome to week seven of our Imitating Jesus study. My name is Jonathan Payne. I have the privilege of serving as one of the elders here at Christ Presbyterian Church. I've been a member along with my family at CPC since 2016 and specifically at the Cool Springs Congregation since its launch in 2018. And I am humbled to have the opportunity to go through uh, this week's study with you. Um, as you know, from the last six weeks, as we work through this study on imitating Jesus, our objective is to spend time with Jesus, to understand who he is and how he behaves in certain circumstances with particular people so that we can better imitate him. Just as the Father sent the Son into the world, so he sends us. Well, we better understand how the Father sent the Son into the world so that we can do that. So over the course of these last six weeks, we've seen Jesus in various different scenes with various different people. Some people who claim to know God and are curious about Jesus. Some who don't claim to know God at all and are curious about Jesus. Today we find ourselves in Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 24. If you haven't read that text, I would encourage you to stop, go read that, and then come back, and we'll unpack it together. But today's scene, we find ourselves in the home of a prominent Pharisee. He's described as a top ruling prominent Pharisee. And Jesus is there to be served a meal. We don't know a whole lot about who else is there at this meal, but verse 3 does tell us that there are other Pharisees there, other religious experts or religious lawyers, a bunch of people who care deeply about the Old Testament law. They care about the rules, so much so that they make rules to put on top of the rules just to make sure they uphold the rules. So these people think that they are in. They think that they know God, and they think that Jesus does not, that Jesus is not who he says he is. And so as we consider spending time with Jesus, I think about what might it have been like to spend time with Jesus in this scene, in the home of this prominent Pharisee. And I even wonder, this is kind of goofy, but I wonder like, if I was outside of the home with Jesus as we're preparing to go into the house, thinking about where my headspace would be going into this context. And I might say, you know, Jesus, listen, these Pharisees, they're really not so bad. I mean, they care about the law, right? They know these rules, they follow them. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, we go into this meal and you just show them that, hey, you're not so bad of a guy. Try to make this kind of a comfortable, kind of take the edge off and let's just have a good time. And over time, these guys so closely holding on to their law will come around and they'll think maybe Jesus is who he says he is. How about we play it that way, Jesus? What do you think? That's what I'm inclined to do because I care very deeply in almost all social contexts about making sure that you like me. And I do that by making sure that you are as comfortable as possible and that there is no tension in any context. But as you read through these 24 verses in Luke 14, you see that Jesus's priorities are not aligned with my priorities. And so that tells me that I have work to do. I need to spend time with Jesus in this text to understand what is he doing here and why is he doing that so that I can become more and more like Jesus and do as he did. And so what we're going to do is we're going to work through these 24 verses chunk by chunk and assess what is Jesus doing and why is he doing that? Why is he choosing something different than what I would choose, which is trying to make this as pleasant of a dinner as possible? And so turn with me. <clears throat> we'll look in verse 1. We're going to start with verses 1 through 6. Verse 1 gives us the context. It's a Sabbath, and the Pharisees care deeply about the Sabbath. That's one of the rules, and they believe no work should be done on the Sabbath, which is true, but they characterize healing as work. And so wouldn't you know it, one of the guests at this meal is somebody who needs healing. And so here is Jesus sitting there, and a man with dropsy or swelling is there. 
And this is probably where I would lean over to Jesus and say, hey, look, Jesus, okay, this guy clearly needs healing. I know you're probably inclined to heal him, but hear me out. He's been, he's been, he's been sick for some time. What's another day? Why don't we just have a good meal? Maybe even go grab him and say, listen, I, I got you. I'll heal you, but let's do it tomorrow because I really, I'm really trying to get these Pharisees to come around. And I think if I break the rule right out of the gate, that may not go so well, may not start us off on the right tone. That's where my head is. That is not where Jesus's head is. Because you see in verse three, he turns to the Pharisees and says, hey guys, is it, is it lawful for me to heal on the Sabbath or does that break one of the rules? And they remained silent. And so he goes ahead and he heals the man with dropsy and he sends him off. And then he turns to the Pharisees and he says, guys, which of you, if you had a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath, would not immediately pull him out? Now, what is Jesus doing here? Is he telling them, forget the rules, the rules don't matter? No, we, we know from the gospel that Jesus tells us, I've not come to abolish the law. What he's doing is he's calling out that though they are following the letter of the law in their minds, they're doing two things. One, they're overlooking the totality of the law because we can see in Deuteronomy 22 verses 1 through 4, the scriptures say, you shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fallen down by the way and ignore them. You shall help him to lift them up again, meaning show mercy that takes priority, and that point is driven home in Matthew 23, 23, where Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and yet you've neglected weightier matters of the law, like justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting others. And so he's looking at the Pharisees and he's saying, Guys, you're missing it. You care so much about the law and you're forgetting what the purpose of the law is, which is relationship with God and relationship with others. If you had a relationship with God, we would see the fruit of that. You would care about serving others. And I don't see that. And so this is the point in the meal where I would lean over to Jesus and say, hey, not exactly what we talked about, but you know what? You made some good points. Maybe we can let them sit with that for a little bit. They'll think about it. Let's just... Let's leave it there, let's have a good meal, and let's move on. But well said up front, that was okay. But that's not what Jesus does. We see in verse 6 that the Pharisees, they don't reply to him. And so he leans in a little bit further and he says, and you know what? You know how I know that it's just not clicking, that you're missing the point. I've seen a couple things already in the course of this meal. I noticed as you came in and you took your seats at the table that you cared deeply about where you sat. You guys are fighting over the seat of honor. Why? Because you want people to think that you're important. You want to feel really important. You want to exalt yourself. You don't have to do that. If you had a relationship with God, you would know that our father cares deeply about exalting you. You don't have to worry about exalting yourself. If you have that relationship with God, then you can have the fruit of humility. And I didn't see that. And then he turns to the host and says, and oh, by the way, I happen to notice who all is at this meal. And it's all people who might be able to repay you. And he tells a parable, hey, when you throw a party, don't just invite your friends and your family and the people that can repay you, people that already love you. Extend the invite. Show hospitality and generosity to others. Look for the people on the outskirts, the people who can't repay you. 
Jerem Bars in his book tells us that the essence of sin is the desire to exalt ourselves. And Jesus is looking and saying, I see you guys showing sin, even though you are so closely tied to your law and you're missing it. There should be fruit. The scriptures consistently point us to caring for the widows and orphans and the poor and the aliens. And Jesus does this all the time. And he's saying, guys, I don't see it. So he starts out by healing them, healing this guy on the Sabbath, breaking one of the rules and saying, I know you care about your rules, but you're missing the point. And then he identifies two instances already in the course of this meal where he's seeing, guys, the fruit's not there. So what is he doing? He clearly is not worried about the comfort of the people in the course of this meal as I would be. He's caring about something greater, something bigger, something broader than the moment. And so this is where, again, I would probably lean in and say, Jesus, got it, really good points, but please, let's just have a good meal. And thankfully, somebody in verse 15 does that for me. One of those reclined at the table with him heard these things, heard what Jesus was saying to them and tries to take the edge off of it, tries to lighten the mood, tries to change the subject, broaden it a little bit. Let's move on. He says, oh, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Am I right? Trying to get people, trying to save the meal. Does Jesus go for it? No, because he cares more about them than that particular moment. What he does is he then takes us into yet another parable. And he said, listen, there's once, this is in verse 16, once a man gave a great banquet and he invited many people. And here in this parable, the man is God. The banquet is eternal salvation. So he gives this banquet. He invites a whole lot of people, the Pharisees. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to find all the people he had invited. Hey, tell them, good news. It's time for the party. Everything is ready. But one by one, the servant goes out and they decline the invitation. The first guy says, oh, sorry. I know you invited me, but I got this field over here. I really need to go tend to that. Please have me excused. Another one said, oh man, oh, I am so sorry, but I just got these oxen and I should probably go examine them. So I, I can't make it either. And another said, I just got married. Isn't this great? I need to go be with her. I'm sorry. And so the servant comes back and reported these things to his master and the master of the house gets angry and he says to him, no, 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 go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the cripple, the blind and the lame. And the servant said, I already did that. <laughs> There's still seats available at the table. And then Jesus gives us the warning shot in verse 24. I tell you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. What Jesus is doing here is telling them a couple things. One is make sure you have your priorities straight. You care about the law, but there is something so much bigger. There is the heart of the law. And eternal salvation is at stake. And that's what he's telling us in verse 24. You may think you're in. And yet when we come to the end, you'll see that though I invited you, though I wanted you at my party, you chose something else. You chose something lesser. And I think for many of us, if we've been in the church for some time, we often look at the Pharisees and say, man, those guys, they just don't get it. And we, we paint them as this caricature of a good thing we're not like them. But as we spend time in this text, and I know our task as we do this is to examine what Jesus is doing so that we can become more like him, I would encourage us to consider the possibility that we are more like the Pharisees than we may care to admit. There are things that take priority in our lives that come at the expense of a relationship with Jesus. And these are not bad things. 
tend to a field, oxen, family. Those aren't bad things, but we can't allow them to become the ultimate things that preclude us from having a saving relationship with Jesus. And so as we watch what Jesus is doing here, let's take note of that, that it's not just a warning for the Pharisees, but it's a call to action for us as well. Jesus tells us in Luke 19, verse 10, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I'm often trying to seek and save the comfort of a moment. But when I do that, I may be missing an opportunity to do what Jesus has called us to do, which is to seek and to save the lost. So as we go and engage with people, particularly people that, that think they're on the end, ourselves included, let's have a sense of urgency about what's at stake here. And let's not be afraid to come alongside people to encourage them to have a relationship over and abiding by rules. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you that you have given us scenes throughout the gospel where we can see you, your son, engaging with different people in different contexts, and we can take note. We can learn what does it look like to be more like you, and why are you the way that you are? God, it's a tall task to seek to imitate you, but I pray that we would be drawn to that through relationship. That spending time with you and growing to know you would just naturally lead us to imitate you. And that through that, God, we would find that we ourselves have a seat at the table, but we would lead others there as well. God, thank you for the gift of scripture. Thank you for the gift of your son and help us to be drawn to you and to imitate you. Amen. Thank you.